Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is space news. And this is kind of an update. And the headline is, Bennu is now the smallest object ever orbited by a spacecraft. Oh. You know Bennu? I remember knows? Bennu. It's always talking who could about forget? Who could forget Bennu? Right. The new year has brought important milestones for two space missions, but only one of them deals in the very survival of the human species. Oh. (laughs) Such an intense opening. Awesome. This is from Gizmodo. Okay. It's it's a little dramatic. Um, OSIRIS-REx, NASA's asteroid-visiting spacecraft, performed its eighth second thruster burn, putting the craft in orbit around the asteroid Bennu recently. Bennu is now the smallest object a spacecraft has ever orbited. It is... 1,600 feet in diameter. Wow. That's very small. Mm Mm-hmm. OSIRIS-REx has been en route to Bennu since May 2016 and arrived early last month, which we reported on. Mm Mm-hmm. The spacecraft will now orbit a mile from the center of the asteroid, according to a team press release. It's hard work orbiting such a small thing, apparently. Asteroids have slight and uneven gravitational fields. Also, OSIRIS-REx's scientists didn't have a final orbit fully planned until they arrived at Bennu. So they had to, like, oh, geez. <laughs> you know, figure it out kind of on the fly. That's some procrastinating. Uh, the team will need to continue adjusting the spacecraft to keep it in orbit. OSIRIS-REx will map the asteroid to create 3D models that will help the team prepare for 2020 when the orbiter will attempt to touch down on the asteroid's surface to collect samples. OSIRIS-REx is scheduled to return to Earth in 2023 with those samples, hopefully, if all goes... Wow, so they're going to be orbiting it for at least an entire year. Mm-hmm. And they have to like manually do things to keep it in that? Yeah, they have to make adjustments. Wow. To make sure it stays that's a in long, orbit. That's a long time. To yeah. Just like... Uh. Be monitoring <laughs> just like, like something just and like making push like a slight button. tweaks. Yeah. I imagine it's not like constant feedback <laughs> that they have to give. It's yeah, I don't like, think so. But it's probably mo- like, oh, oh, it's gradually getting off the orbit. We yeah. need to like... Thrust yeah. it thrust this it way a little in. bit or something. I don't know if that's the <laughs> verb that's used in that situation, but. <laughs> but I really hope that that's the word that they use. <laughs> Houston, we need to. <laughs> Houston, we got to thrust it back in. <laughs> so good. So that's the update on Bennu. Very cool. My first story is dinosaur news. Whoa. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about dinosaurs before and not called it that, but I, I, I don't care. It's <laughs> I fine. It, we can do whatever I, we want. I want it to be dinosaur news. Um, I like it. This is from LiveScience.com. Uh, rare flying reptile with mouthful of fangs trolled the Jurassic skies. That sounds terrifying. Oh, don't worry. There's an artist's rendition of it, too. Oh, really? Oh, I'm Um, so excited. (laughs) So the article reads, As if a spear-like beak and huge leathery wings weren't freaky enough, a newly discovered species of Jurassic pterosaur also had a mouthful of fangs. Uh, It's known as... Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, Clobiodon rocher? Sure. Okay. Um, It was a flying reptile that lived around 166 million years ago in ancient England. Um, uh, this paleontologist, Michael O'Sullivan of the University of Portsmouth says, uh, Clobiodon has been known to us for centuries, 
archived in a museum drawer and seen by dozens or hundreds of scientists, but its significance has been overlooked because it was confused with another species um, in the 1800s. So they've actually oh. had these like these fossils for a long time until they actually went back and looked and were like, oh, this is actually this something, is something completely else. different. Clabiodon means cage tooth, and the name was chosen because the species has inch-long teeth that lock together like the bars of a cage. And you'll see that in the rendition, too. It's literally just like like if you clasp your hands together, but teeth. It's, it's wild. Um, and it had a wingspan of around six and a half feet, so it was pretty Whoa. big. <laughs> Um, it probably hunted fish and squid, which would have had a hard time escaping from its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, a few known pterosaur species from the Middle Jurassic had teeth, so this is a particularly unusual finding. And uh, most of the bones that they've discovered in this area are fragmentary, including those of this species. Um, but luckily, the uh, reptile's lower jawbone was completely preserved. So they were able to use its unique teeth to determine that it was a new thing. So, oh, I have to show you this picture. I really, really want to see the picture. It's it's pretty terrifying. <laughs> what I'm imagining in my head is also <laughs> terrifying, so I just want to see how well it matches It's with terrifying, the but it's also kind of funny. <laughs> rendition. So. Okay, that's actually a lot less terrifying than what I was imagining, but. Yeah. Like, look at those teeth, though. It looks like a badger, a cross between a badger and a pterodactyl. Yes. That's accurate. A, a badger and a pterodactyl, but. The, but like the, with like the with, mouth of a pterodactyl, but with but teeth. with teeth that oh. are long and spiky. Yeah, it's pretty freaky. It's pretty cool though. Yeah, I love I love when they find new dinosaurs. I guess this is probably yeah. technically not a dinosaur either. I think since it's really? a flying reptile, I think they classify it as its own. That's why they call it like a pterosaur. Oh, it's its own thing. But I didn't realize that. So don't at don't at me about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in my mind, I was imagining like a classic pterodactyl, except and, and like with like the beak, except there's also like giant teeth, just teeth in the beak, out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is not what it looks like. No, but. it's not far off, but yeah, it's yeah. It, badger is a good badger is good. <laughs> it does. It looks like a it looks like a badger with a, like tooth, a, a, a toothy wings winged badger. and a different head. <laughs> yes. Okay, my next story is science news. A question oh, mark at the like, end there. I did say like a question. This is from CNN, and the headline is The massive floating device created to clean up plastic in the ocean has broken. Oh, did it get too clogged with plastic? No, I don't know exactly what happened, but it part of it, like, yeah, okay, if, I believe we reported on this before that there's this giant device somewhere I in the Pacific so. Ocean. We either reported on it or Anthony and I read about it and talked about it at some point but there's a giant device and it has this long arm and it's to clean up plastic and part of the arm broke off so they're hauling it back to shore to fix it oh yeah but anyway i'll I'll read the thing so okay (laughs) please do (laughs) (laughs) a two thousand foot long system created to clean up plastic pollution in the pacific ocean is broken and being towed back to port for repair the ocean cleanup system 001 a u-shaped floating barrier created by the organization the ocean cleanup arrived in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch back in October. Ocean garbage patches are formed by rotating ocean currents called gyres. I believe that's how that's pronounced. No idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to go with gyres. Sure. That pull marine debris, like litter, fishing gear, and plastic, into one location, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. There are several of these patches in the ocean, including two in the Pacific, 
The one known as the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is located between Hawaii and California, and it's about double the size of Texas, or three times the size of France. It's insanely huge. Oh my gosh. Um, after several months at sea, it was determined that the, the system was failing to retain some of the plastic, the organization announced earlier in December, and now a 60-foot section of the device has broken free of the system, they announced on the, um, December 29th. So the entire system, along with over 4,400 pounds of plastic that is, has currently been recovered by it, is just being brought back to shore for fixing. And I don't know what they're going to do with the plastic. But, just put uh, it back in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> oh, I laughed way too hard at that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, this is a quote. We are, of course, quite bummed about this as, one, we <laughs> hoped to stay out for a bit longer to collect more data on plastic system interaction, and two, it introduces an additional challenge to be solved. Uh, Boyet Slat, Ocean Cleanup's CEO, said in a blog post, at the same time, we also realize that setbacks like this are inevitable when pioneering new technology at a rapid pace. That's a good attitude. So, mm-hmm. Um, the device set sail from San Francisco back in September with the goal of cleaning half of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch in five years. So that was their, like, big stretch goal. Um, Slat told CNN earlier this year that the patch contained an estimated 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic, weighing 80,000 metric tons. Oh, my God. It's so That's weird insane. to me that we even have something that we have to call the Great Pacific Garbage, like, right? is it garbage or plastic patch? Uh, garbage patch. Yeah. Yeah, That's the Great just... Pacific Garbage Patch. Ugh. <laughs> just, I just remember the first time I heard about that. I was like, yeah. what? And I, and I thought about, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of small. And then I keep hearing about how big it is. And it's like yeah, 80,000 metric tons I mean, is, a, it's, is a lot of garbage. Like it's larger than probably some islands that have like a city on them. Oh yeah. If it, well, I mean, what well, did what they, did say? they it was say? It's three times the size of France. Right. Yes, then I clearly, it's, definitely. It's, clearly, <laughs> it's clearly larger. <laughs> Than some islands. Yeah, I mean, I just, I keep thinking about it as like this small island location, but it's like this huge area. It's, yeah, that's got a, that's massive. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. It's double the size of Texas, yeah. Yeah, you get up to one it's side of it and huge. you can't see the other. Yeah, that's and what then it is. Like, that's, that's Like, I still, I even, I literally crazy. reported on that a few seconds ago and I still keep thinking of it as like an, like an island yeah. size, but it's not. It's, no, it's, it's essentially, we've essentially thing. created a continent of garbage yeah. in the Pacific. That's just mind-boggling i know at least it's not in other places in the ocean I don't yeah know. i mean the currents do work in our favor that way they kind of gather it they're all like in gathering one place. it so that we can maybe do something about it there yeah but i mean but then you think about like okay if that much plastic's there how much is everywhere else who knows i, I don't want to think about it yeah we shouldn't even think about that okay <laughs> that's sad anyway yeah. but yeah so the device broke they have to fix it and they're gonna did the piece that out. broke off disappear have they just added more um, garbage that's to a the good patch? question <laughs> that's a good question i don't this made it seem like they had that piece okay um but i don't know for sure but they are hoping they can fix it pretty quickly and just have it back you know operational again later this year pretty soon so very cool yeah my next story is health news this is from a website called medicalexpress.com, which I've never heard of. So hopefully it's a good source. <laughs> <laughs> they did cite an actual like paper, so I assume it's it's legitimate. Okay. Um, the headline reads, Living a Stronger and Longer Life, What Scientists Are Learning from Worms. Wow. Okay. Yep. Uh, 
longer as in the longer lifespan, not like being longer. That's that's <laughs> not what this is about. That's what I figured. <laughs> but thanks for the clarification. Yeah, it's important. Uh, so research from the University of Mi- Michigan Life Sciences Institute has uncovered a cause of declining motor function and increased frailty in tiny aging worms and a way to slow it down. Uh, the findings, which were scheduled to publish uh, January 2nd in Science Advances, which I guess is a journal, okay. uh, they identify a molecule that can be targeted to improve motor function and indicate that similar pathways may be at play in aging mammals as well. So there's a chance that this same um, pathway is, is in humans. Um, as humans and animals age, our motor functions progressively deteriorate. Uh, Millimeter-long roundworms called nematodes exhibit similar aging patterns, and uh, they only live about three weeks, which makes them really easy to study aging in because in three weeks you've got a whole new population. Uh, yeah, the, okay. The uh, molecule is called um, SLO-1. I don't know if that's you can say slow one, but I'm going to. Uh, and, stands, and it stands for Slowpoke Potassium Channel Family Member 1. Um, I guess it really shouldn't stand for it because it really only is the first three letters of slow, <laughs> poke, and then one. Anyway, uh, it acts as a regulator <laughs> for communications between motor neurons and muscle, t- muscle tissue. So it um, regulates like how the, the brain essentially tells muscles to move. Um, the researchers man- manipulated the molecule and observed two major effects in the roundworms. Not only did, did they uh, maintain better motor function later in life, but they also lived longer than normal roundworms. So oh. they like they were able to move better and also lived longer, which that's is, really cool. This is pretty neat. Uh, the timing of the interventions also dra- drastically changed the effects on both motor function and lifespan. When uh, S- when slow one was manipulated in. Uh, early in the worm's life, it had virtually no effect on lifespan and actually had a detrimental effect on their motor function um, in the young worms. Uh, but when mm. they uh, blocked the activity of this molecule in mid-adulthood, both motor function and lifespan improved. So depending on when they affect, like manipulated it, oh, that's so uh, it affected like when... Uh, like how much it affected their yeah. motor function. Um, and because the channel is pre- preserved across many species, the scientists hope these findings will encourage others to examine its role in aging in other model organisms and maybe even potentially humans. Um, so the researchers next hope to determine the importance of the slow one channel in early development in the worms and like why manipulating it causes them to have worse motor function. Um, and also to better understand the mechanisms through which it affects lifespan. Like why is it making them live longer? Because that's pretty crazy science. We don't usually, yeah, like we don't usually hear of things causing uh, an increase in lifespan like right. that. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Wow. The things we can learn from worms. I never would have thought that worms would have been the source of that type of knowledge. I don't know, or yeah. like that research. I mean, it's when you think about it, we have, a, we have a lot in common with even, like, bananas, like, in certain ways so we do yeah a, a large percentage of our dna is actually similar to bananas i think it's like in the oh, 80s oh i didn't know it's, that it's like a very high number Whoa, way higher wild. than you expect so we actually have a lot like probably that's with cool. any living organism we have a lot in common with to certain mm-hmm. degrees so i mean obviously it's they're probably not going to take this and immediately apply it to humans and be like oh now we've cured like degenerative disease, diseases and <laughs> aging <laughs> we fi- we found immortality in a worm and just splice it into <laughs> We um, fixed it. Aging. Well, done. The more that they know about how this works in other organisms, the more they'll be able to. The more clues they'll get into how it works in us. Exactly. Works, yeah. So. That's and that's our it's goal. Really I cool. Think. So yeah, everything has to start somewhere. And, mm-hmm. they, start, and they started in nematodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun word. It is a fun word. 
Okay, well, my next story is entertainment news. And this is from MiamiHerald.com. The headline is, Is Facebook worth $1,000 a year? Most wouldn't quit for less, the study finds. Hmm. So this is all about, they were trying to figure out what monetary worth people put on their Facebook accounts. Uh. So it doesn't cost anything other than your time and energy to use Facebook. That makes it tricky to guess how much the social network is worth to each of its 2 billion users worldwide. But a new study put an estimated dollar value on Facebook with a handful of experiments. Researchers asked users how much they would need to be paid to leave the networking platform for a day, a week, or as long as a year. Those experiments revealed the average person required more than $1,000 to deactivate his or her account for a full year, according to the researcher's study published December 19th in the journal PLOS1. Plus one. <laughs> I don't know what it's called that. Um, this is a quote. We know people must derive tremendous value from Facebook or they wouldn't spend millions of hours on the site every day, Jay Corrigan, a study author and economics professor at Kenyon College in Ohio, explained in a statement. The challenge is how to put a dollar value on a service people don't pay for. Facebook users shouldn't worry about a fee coming anytime soon, however. If they did that, people would very quickly migrate to some competitor service that would quickly emerge, Corrigan said, according to Ars Technica. So I don't think there's any way that Facebook (laughs) is going to be able to capture this money from them. So don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, not that Facebook is hurting for money. Even though Facebook is free, its market capitalization was more than four or $540 billion uh, last May, and it had more than $40 billion in revenue last year, which, is, which it primarily makes by advertising to a user base that's bigger than any country on earth, the author's note. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so researchers from Kenyan... Uh, Tufts University, Michigan State University, and Susquehanna University worked to determine the value of Facebook to users by performing three auctions in which they asked Facebook users to bid on how much they would be paid to abandon the social network for a period of time. Whoever won each auction would get their money only after proving he or she had deactivated Facebook for the prescribed period of time. So they actually, like, made you actually do it. Oh, okay. To, like, make it more, Mm -hmm. you know, real, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the auction with the Kenyan students found that the average person would require $4.17 to get rid of Facebook for a day or $13.89 for three days or $37 for a week. And then they, extra- they extrapolated those prices for a full year to get the average of between basically like $1,500 and $1,900 for a whole oh year <laughs> of, de- of a deactivated Facebook account. Um, the results from the Michigan State one, which was 133 students and 138 local adults, found that the students needed an average of $2,076 to quit Facebook for a year. <laughs> and the locals, it was a little bit less, $1,139. And then the third one uh, that they reported on, through the, that they did through the Amazon Mechanical Turk Open Marketplace, which I don't know okay. what that is, but um, they asked 931 adults how much it would take for them to quit Facebook for a year, and they got an average answer of $1,921. Goodness. So um, apparently this like auction technique has been used in different research to price difficult to assess goods or like kind of or qualities or like concepts and stuff. So mm-hmm. this is a method that's been used before in this type of research. But but uh, yeah, so that's kind of the that's the result. So that that's what it's actually worth is like over a thousand dollars. That's really interesting, though, because I was th- when you mentioned like a subscription fee, I was like, 
any amount of money that they started charging me, I would deactivate my account. <laughs> like, <laughs> it would take, like, if, the, if, it, if it costs, like, a dollar a month, I'd be like, well, I'm not paying that for this. But if they, they would have to pay me a decent amount, I think, to actually deactivate it. Because I, like, at that point, it's you like. You wouldn't pay a dollar a month to keep it? I wouldn't pay a dollar. I would not pay a dollar a month to keep it, but I would not. But I would not take a dollar a month to deactivate it. Like I would need more money than that. Because that like, is so interesting. Like the that's what I'm thinking oh, about. Like, like the, the psychology of the it. The psychology of like I'm paying a subscription fee versus like, oh, just delete your account. I'll pay you money. Yeah. Like I don't think I would. I don't think I would need nineteen hundred dollars a year to get rid of it. But <laughs> like, I don't know. If you well, offer me twenty dollars, if you offer me like, like twenty bucks a month. Sure, I'll deactivate my Facebook <laughs> account for twenty bucks a month. See, I don't know. So, like, I was thinking about this for myself, and like, I—it's weird because I don't feel like I really use Facebook anymore. Like, I use the Messenger mm-hmm. part of it. Me too. But the people I talk through through Messenger, I could talk to them Probably with text other means. Or something. So, I feel like I would take much less money to deactivate mine. Yeah, I, use, I wouldn't I use, even. Really I care. mostly use mine to talk to my parents, but like at this point, both my parents have smartphones. Like, we could just have a group text like it wouldn't be that big of a difference Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know it's weird though like 20 dollars a month i'll deactivate it any amount of month to keep keep it no you just wouldn't i wouldn't see i don't know i would pay a dollar a month i wouldn't don't tell them that (laughs) (laughs) i still don't think they're ever going to put a subscription fee on it because oh no the amount of free now and and the amount of money that they make just from having everyone's data for they don't need like yeah yeah. (laughs) they don't need it they don't need it, and it would just cause people to be annoyed with them. So yep, they wouldn't do that. But no, it would. It's way more lucrative for them but to yeah, just have that uh, the people. The students in the study, they find it more valuable than we find it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, in college, I definitely used it more than I do now. Yeah, I would say that too, because it's useful for posting about like events and things that are going mm-hmm. on on campus and stuff. But then, like, once you graduate and that's not a thing anymore, there's it's a no bit events like, anymore. Like, why you just am I using stay this? at home and and just message each other on Facebook? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My last story is another space news. This is also kind of an update. Um, This is from Ars Technica. Uh, NASA probe finds a snowman-shaped relic of the early solar system. So I don't know if you've seen any pictures of this, but uh, you remember last week we talked about Ultima Thule. Yeah. Which is like this really distant object that uh, they flew by. Uh, it turns out it's kind of an interesting shape. Um, so, the New Horizons mission flew by Ultima Thule in the outer solar system early on New Year's Day and began returning data to Earth via a deep space network. Only about 1% of that data is now on the ground, but just from that, scientists have provided some early findings and images of the deep space object. Um, the object is 44 astronomical units, about, which means it's 44 times the distance between the Earth and the Sun. Um, that's what an astronomical unit is, but oh. it's that far away. It's very far. Um, it is 33 kilometers long and is no, what's known as a contact binary is the shape that it is, which means that two roughly spherical objects uh, came together at a neck. And so it looks a little bit like a snowman. Okay. So it's like these two essentially little tiny planets that like slowly collided into each other. <laughs> hmm. um, and it's also red in color. Oh. Sort, of, sort of Mars-like, actually. Uh, the astronomers behind the mission say this is a planetesimal, which is a small object that served as a building block for larger objects in the solar system. 
Um, in the earlier years of the solar system, some 4.5 billion years ago, a large congested disk of these planetesimals came together to form the planets and moons we now recognize in the inner solar system. But in the outer solar system, there were fewer of these objects to spread around a much larger area. So some of them, um, like Ultima Thule, are relics of the first few million years of uh, the solar system. They never actually combined with anything else. Um, and from the shape and appearance of this body, uh, scientists believe it formed from the very slow inward motion of the two bodies, maybe as slow as two to three kilometers per hour with respect to each other. And they're essentially just bound by gravity. So they very, very slowly <laughs> just like circled each other, like gradually moving closer because of gravity. And then yeah. eventually just like, boop. <laughs> <laughs> like it was Softly a, collided together. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, <laughs> The probe is now sending down more data that will detail its composition. And um, so far, the best fo uh, photographs they have uh, have a resolution of about 140 me uh, meters per pixel and were taken from 50,000 kilometers away. And astronomers are hoping to get images with a resolution of up to 35 meters per pixel. So they want to get some slightly better ones mm -hmm. than what we have right now, which I will show you right now because it's kind of neat. Um, I don't think anybody was really expecting it to be this shape. I think in the article that I reported on last week they had um they mentioned that it wasn't clear if it was just a sphere um but they weren't sure beyond that like just from so the way that light the, bent around it the one that looked like a hippo no this is not the one that looks like a hippo that was an asteroid wow that really looks like a snowman it really does it's very tiny yeah or i mean well, it's very I mean, big it's... but it looks very it looks like a tiny little snowman yeah <laughs> Ars Technica even has an illustration. <laughs> what did they draw? <laughs> In case you don't know what a snowman <laughs> looks like. <laughs> I thought they were going to like put it, like overlay no. it on the thing. Like, no, it's just a picture of a snowman. They next didn't even to it. bother okay. with that. <laughs> and this is approximately the coloration of it. It's, it's very similar to what we've seen That's with Mars. That's cool. And like the red rock. Look. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's very neat. And I'd, I recommend looking at the article because there's some there's some cool pictures and more explanation. That's cool. And you said it was called a planetesimal? A uh, planetesimal. Planetesimal? So like infinitesimal, but with planet. I don't know if that's the origin of it or what, but... Never heard that word before. Planetesimal, word. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a new one for me. Okay, it's time for breaking news. Breaking news? It's the part of the show where Anthony and I look up random news stories that were just posted today or just happened today, and we read them to you on the fly. On the fly? Yep. Oh. Ready, set, set go! go! All right, the story I found is from CBS News, and there is a recall. Uh-oh. Uh, on sunflower and tahini butter. Uh, Oscree Organics Corporation has recalled sunflower and tahini butter over concerns of possible listeria contamination. Um, they announced today. No, wait, yesterday. They announced it yesterday. Wednesday of this week. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody um, does. <laughs> the Wisconsin-based company said in a statement it was informed by a customer back in December that they randomly sent its product in for testing and it came back positive for listeria. Wait, so some rando sent it in? Yes. <laughs> Did they have a concern? Did it look listeriousness? I, I don't know. 
but no illnesses have been reported so far. <laughs> okay. And they are trying to investigate um, the source of this positive test. Maybe the testing facility was contaminated <laughs> with listeria. We don't know. Maybe the we customer was know. contaminated with listeria. <laughs> Maybe the customer was contaminated with listeria. <laughs> Maybe you're contaminated with listeria. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's, it's you. <laughs> yeah, so a little bizarre. Probably you don't have to be too worried, but... Yeah. Also, I didn't know until just now that sunflower and tahini butter were a thing. Neither did I. So, so we learned multiple things I'm, today. I'm incredibly safe. I could not. <laughs> I could not be more safe because you don't. You didn't even know it was a thing, let alone have it in your closet. What am right. I saying? <laughs> you know, my food closet, pantry. That was the word I was thinking about. I'm like, I kept thinking closet. I'm like, that's not the right word. <laughs> Sorry, word troubles. Anyway, what did you find? I found a story on IGN. <laughs> Netflix doesn't want you to take the bird box challenge. <laughs> I saw this. Have you heard the about bird this? box challenge. Okay, so did you watch the movie? I haven't, no. Okay, I did. Okay, good. So you can actually tell me what some of this means. Yeah. I mean, all I know <laughs> is that the movie came out, everyone was talking about it, and then I just saw a bunch of things with blindfolds, lots of memes, lots of people making yeah. web comics and stuff. Anyway. Um, even though fans have begun participating in what they call the bird box challenge, Netflix has asked them not to hurt themselves in the process. <laughs> uh, the bird box challenge involves people blindfolding themselves as characters do in Netflix's popular thriller while they attempt common tasks. <laughs> <laughs> A quick Twitter search of hashtag bird box challenge shows fans mostly trying to walk in public or play around the house or with their children. But some have tried riding a scooter, using an escalator or ordering food at the drive through <laughs> <laughs> and not succeeding at these tasks. <laughs> in, in response, Netflix tweeted, can't believe I have to say this, but please do not hurt yourselves with this bird box challenge. We don't know how this started and we appreciate the love. But uh, boy and girl have just one wish for 2019. It is that you do not end up in the hospital due to memes. <laughs> I assume boy and girl are the children. Yes. Okay. They're named boy and girl. That's okay. I, like I said, I haven't seen the movie. I just kind of assumed. <laughs> and uh, Bird Box has exploded in popularity since it was released in Netflix on uh, December 21st and has been watched by over 45 million accounts within its first seven days of being released. Wow. Which is huge. Um, but yeah, okay. I haven't seen it. I haven't decided if I want to see it because I've heard everything from it's amazing to it's terrible. And a couple people are like, it's fine. <laughs> so I'm in the boat of it's fine. Yeah, that's like I watched it and I was like, OK, that was that was good. And then I didn't think anything like I was surprised. I basically figured out yesterday that this was becoming this like meme and stuff. Uh huh. And I was very surprised by that. I was like, what? Like, it just was like <laughs> wasn't it wasn't like this amazing movie or something. Right. It's just like another Netflix original. Yeah. But it was enjoyable. Like, I I don't think it was bad. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was pretty but funny. Basically, what ha like the whole, most of the movie, it's people, they're like living in a house, and anytime like a window is open, that's dangerous. So they have to like put on a blindfold and go into that room and like close the shades or like figure out how to like block any like Do the sight of the outside. Open themselves often or? Well, without spoiling anything, oh. <laughs> there are some people involved that are secretly evil and they try to like um okay 
undo the coverings and like, ah, no, we have to cover it up again. Like it's like that happens. <laughs> okay. Um, and there's also a few scenes where the main character is like outside mm-hmm. and trying to like get into a house, an abandoned house, but just with the blindfold on like the entire time and okay. like that kind of stuff. That makes sense. So, hmm. but I, I just would never have thought like, oh, let me put on a blindfold and try this. Like, I, I mean, people find know, anything people to do, do like but... a challenge. <laughs> Remember when everyone was eating Tide Pods? Yeah, and that, that was... I would take this over that. That wasn't even actually, in a movie. So. Right. So, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend watching it. Maybe I will. I, I think it's like... It's good. Like I said, like I, I think it's a good movie. It's just not like... Ah! <laughs> Bird <laughs> uh, Box! Oh, I need, God! <laughs> I need to put on a blindfold to do a stupid thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. All right, well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.